listening to the Multifamily Podcast, brought to you by Ron Ruiz and Martin Canchola, co-founders of Apartment SEO, a premier Google agency, where we discuss current multifamily and real estate trends, apartment marketing strategies, and speak with some of the most influential thought leaders shaping the multifamily industry today. All right, and we are back with the Multifamily Podcast with Ron and Martin. Okay, so this is going to be a pretty fun episode for me particularly. Uh, we're going to be talking with Nathan Pott, uh, who's an established real estate investor, broker, and property manager. Uh, he owns Locali Management Group, and he's also a land investor at Locali Ranch and has been in the multifamily industry since 2004. Now, we will get into each topic today to leave our community with some thoughts into where Nathan believes the real estate market is headed. Uh, breaking into the property man- management industry, and how anyone can find a nice piece of land to monetize, no matter their budget. Uh, so let's dive in. You ready to rock and roll, Nathan? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks so much, Nathan, for joining us today. Uh, as you know, and Martin knows, uh, we were excited about setting this up because you and I have known each other for many years. Uh, I think particularly when we were in our previous chapter chapters in life, right? Uh, having that, uh, working for the man, having the entrepreneurial dreams, um, really just like, you know, putting it front row center and saying, we're going to do this. And what's cool about, I think both of our stories, I'm not trying to steal your thunder, but I believe that we (laughs) literally were looking in the mirror at the same time and saying, this is where we need to be and what we need to do and all the people we need to touch. So I'm so proud of you of everything that you've accomplished. Uh, I, you you know, we, we talked about it day one about what we were going to do together and individually and for the industry. And you definitely have set out and did it. And then some, I mean, I know you're currently in Tennessee, in your RV on a long distance trip. (laughs) I mean, doing that, that's something I should have put out there because that's what I want to do too. Um, But you're looking to move and shake. I'm not going to take too much away from what you're going to talk about, but I know you're looking to move and shake in other states and already have. So I cannot wait to find out more from you about how you decided not only to get into locality and the property management side, but more on the real estate side, like you got your real estate broker. Uh, so I want to hear about that. Sure. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a long-winded story, but I, you know, originally went to culinary school and I was in the back of the house kitchen and, you know, in high school and stuff, you don't really think about family, friends and things like that. You're just kind of thinking about yourself and what you want to do. Um, well, being stuck in the kitchen, you know, whenever you guys want to go out to eat or all of us want to go out to eat, it's nights, weekends, holidays, all those things. And I, it just wasn't for me. I had a girlfriend at the time and, you know, things were starting to get serious and I started thinking about more. And so I, I ended up getting out of the industry altogether and uh, was selling office supplies uh, with a neighbor. It was like something out of the garage and uh, my territory was Irvine. So I started knocking on all the doors. Well, Irvine company was one of those doors and uh, just kept hitting them hard probably every week on Monday at 10 o'clock. I mean, every week. They never bought one single pencil for me because they already had established uh, big, huge contracts already with you know some of the bigger name brands. So, but anyways, they ended up offering me a job because you know I was so persistent, and you know they gave me a discount in rent and uh, all these things. So I was able to live the you know multi million dollar life staring at the ocean at Irvine Company property for a fraction of the cost. So, and I made good money. So it was it was it was awesome. So that's how I got into property management anyway. And you know, I was with Irvine Company for a while. Worked for a few other uh, third-party management companies outside of that. Um, of course, the grass was always greener, and that's kind of when I think Ron and I kind of linked up, just being in the industry anyway. And uh, ended up um, wanting to do my own thing, so I started Poth Company, 
Um, and it was like a consulting company. So I basically was doing the secret shops and um, going through the, the whole spiel and putting my reports together. And ultimately, it kind of turned into a staffing company, which, you know, it's a great industry. It just wasn't for me. Um, and these owners were saying, well, why are we hiring this you know, management company when you're coming in doing all the work? And, um, you know, it was, it was difficult to, you know, keep that relationship with that management company because, you know, they, they probably just didn't have that um, uh, enough regional support at the time, you know, if it was like a smaller or midsize management company. Um, and, you know, it, that's, that's the hard part with, with property management is, you know, you, you really depend on your people. You know, you learn about the, the four P's, people, product, promotion, price, that type of thing. And you know, I just kind of had that instilled into me. So I was just thinking, you know, just something really basic. And for my niche market, what it kind of developed into is, you know, these owners, they, maybe it wasn't the institutionalized uh, asset that they were uh, asset managing and with a larger company, but maybe they saw a good deal, like a, a duplex or a fourplex or something like that. And then something like that, that was too small for the management companies I was working with. So they said, well, why don't you manage that for me? I said, absolutely. What, a, you know, at the time I didn't have my real estate license or anything, you know, I was just kind of doing my thing. And uh, so I ended up getting my real estate license and then I um, was under a broker for a little bit and I um, uh, started just picking up more and more units. I, I, it was tough. I mean, the first few years of any business is really hard. I was surviving off of a triplex. It was like 150 bucks a month for a year. All my savings were done. Luckily, I had a great partner in life that was helping pay the bills and stuff, but got through all of that. And then, you know, just keeping to the basics, you know, it, um, property management is very different from the, the sales side of things. You know, you have, you have specialties and a perfect example would be, you know, you have doctors, you know, if you have a toothache, you're not going to go to a brain surgeon. You're going to go to a dentist all doctors, but they all specialize in different things. Uh, my specialty has always been property management. So um, I think, you know, for me, I, I like to refer to a local broker that does sales in, in an area if somebody's looking to sell because, you know, I may get potential business from them. Um, and that's a good way to start. Facebook was huge for me. I started creating Facebook groups to get other leads coming in. Um, you know, just posting other people's listings, giving them the credit that it's their listing. But usually on Facebook, you just kind of see the the photo and just assume because I posted it, it might be mine. I may have just let them assume it was my listing, but that kind of got the ball rolling. And then, you know, I picked up, you know, 50 units, 50 doors, um, all fee management stuff, and then uh, worked myself up to about 350 units at one time. And it, wow. it was insane. I mean, it was normal. I mean, Ron and Martin, I'm sure, you know, starting any business, you just, you throw everything to the wall, see kind of what sticks. And then you just kind of narrow it down from there. You got to deal with those hard clients. You got to deal with those hard residents. I mean, you know, and then you could, then you could kind of set back once you get kind of established and kind of cherry pick which ones you want to keep. Maybe you need to kind of increase rates on certain things. And, you know, it just kind of naturally settles down a little bit. And that's, that's kind of where I've been for the past few years. I'm, I'm now, I try to keep it about 150 doors or less. Um, I, I am a, you know, a single owner operator. Um, you know, it is an LLC. I, I have somebody that helps me, Kristen, um, who's been in the industry. She has a couple of kids, um, got her a pair of rainbow flip-flops and told her, here's your uh, new um, work attire. And, <laughs> you know, go ahead and, you know, bring your kids with you. I built my business with my two kids in the back of my truck. Um, my dogs are usually actually back here right now and 
Um, so it's just, it's a small operation and there's, there's tons of ways to make money on it. Um, and that, so that's basically where we are. I think I kind of got you caught up with, uh, how things started for me and, um, yeah. Yeah. It sounded like you really had to embrace social media in the beginning too, as well, right? You're, you're sharing other people list, other people's listings that weren't even yours. Right. And you were just kind of sharing it to kind of spread the love. Right. Exactly. Social media is everything right now. I mean, everybody has a Facebook account, you know, for the most part, I should say, uh, or some type of profile online. Um, you know, when you're applying, you're usually applying online now. You're not really going to the door. I mean, there's a, we're, we're in a different age. It's not, uh, it's not really door knocking anymore. It's, it's all social media for the most part. And, you know, you have LinkedIn, LinkedIn's a great one. You know, it's kind of like a resume on like a resume type form, Facebook, I guess. I don't know. Um, and then you have Facebook, which, you know, you, uh, LinkedIn, you'll approve anybody because you just want your network to be larger. Facebook, it's a little bit more intimate. You have pictures of your kids on there. You have pictures of your home, you have, you know, your dog and, you know, cute puppies and, you know, things like that, right? Like those are, that's Facebook. So it's a little bit more close. So you have this closeness with Facebook, which I felt was good. So I think, you know, how you work your social media and build your brand and build your image is everything. I mean, me, I, I'm scruffy. You know, I wear my hats. I mean, I wear my, my I used to wear flip-flops a lot and I wear boots because I got in the land thing, but, <laughs> but I mean, that, that's kind of my thing, you know, and people either like it or they don't. You know, like there's, there's millions of property managers out there. Um, you know, there's millions of people who can do social media stuff. It's, it's about that relationship. It's about, um, you know, pulling good work, having good work ethic and, having a passion for it. And it just, it comes off into your business. So. Okay. Well, I had a question for you. How about property management and like screening residents and using digital, like their digital media, like say they have a Facebook profile, like, is that all legit to do? Like if you're screening (laughs) new residents, are you allowed to like check their Facebook if it's public LinkedIn? How does some of that work? Um, So no, (laughs) you, um, you are going to it, when you're screening in, so this is California. So mm-hmm. California, we can only discriminate based on income and credit. Um, Got it. You know, it, so that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, and you could, you can see, you can see a story based on the income and credit. You don't even really want to get a photo ID unless you're doing a tour or something like that, but that's not part of the application process because mm-hmm. that could be perceived as, you know, um, maybe you know, they might have a certain, um, color of skin or a national origin or something fair like that. So violation. Mm-hmm. Fair housing violation. So you have to be very careful. So, you know, a lot of people try to self-manage and, you know, you kind of go off your gut and it seems harmless, let's say as an example, like, Oh, I don't want kids there, you know, because it's not because they don't like kids or are discriminate or intentionally discriminating against them, but they just feel like they're stairs and they don't want them to trip and fall. Well, that's, that's a huge violation in California. And um, so you have to be very careful. So it's very important to, you know, have the right team on there and, you know, keep things fair and consistent across the board and then you're, then you're fine. So really good fair housing consultant, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to be very, very careful with all those things. No, and and in many regards, that's exactly why somebody should hire a Nathan, especially like more of the smaller um, companies, because they may not be abreast as to the latest laws or just things that they could be in violation of. And that's where a professional property manager could really come in in handy to, to, yeah, maybe it is an initial cost on the monthly for the management fee, but it could save you a lot in legal fees and and even reputation. 
Hundred mm-hmm. percent, and, and building that and building that reputation. I mean, this is what you guys do. You know, I mean, right. you guys know what you can and can't post because you're in the industry. You guys Correct. specialize in the apartment industry. And again, look, there's mul- millions of uh, social media guys out there that can do this stuff, but you guys specialize in the apartment, so you know, you know, to have a diverse array of types of photos to attract that, um, you know, that credit and income type. Um, resident right so yeah. we like to say we speak yeah. multifamily. Mm-hmm. yeah you do <laughs> we're trilingual I here we, i think we are now right <laughs> totally yeah. so there, there's definitely a lot of chatter out there about a recession looming and impending real estate crash how possible do you think this is in our near future um you know i so i don't want to claim myself as an expert in sales i i will say in property management i have noticed that uh, rents have gone up significantly mm-hmm. uh i've noticed that um uh, you know, there's more and more uh, of my clients looking to purchase properties. Um, things are much higher right now, and they've been climbing. Um, I've been kind of noticing it softening a little bit. Uh, things aren't renting um, over a weekend anymore um, or within hours, which was happening <laughs> in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and now um, interest rates are starting to go up. I'm, you know, we're on the street. Uh, it's supposed to go up again, I think, August 1. Um, I'm hearing interest rates, you know, before, geez, it was like 2.95 to three point something. Um, now they're getting closer to the five, you know, 4.4.5 and I'm hearing another points going up. So naturally what, what's going to happen is it's just, it's going to make the, uh, buying, buying, uh, it's going to cost more to borrow that money, which is potentially going to drive down those prices is the theory anyway, but who knows, you know, I mean, I wish I was the expert in that or could read the future, but that's, that's kind of the word on the street. I think, I think the market is going to start softening as, uh, or at least level out anyway. And uh, geez, if COVID didn't take out the market, I, I don't know what can. So who knows? Yeah. And I think that those, uh, yeah, definitely the rates are going above 5% already. And I think that those because did, did you find that you had a lot of uh, people either competing against your own bids or your clients' bids uh, paying cash? Because I think those buyers will still be out there and keeping the activity going, right? For certain properties. Absolutely. So, I mean, you have a lot of foreign money that comes in and um, wants to place their money. And they're just, they're just waiting, you know, like the last recession. Um, yeah. You know, they, they're waiting to come in and, you know, somebody's really starting to hurt. Let's say somebody got a creative... Um, creative arm um, type loan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that 10 years is coming up. Well, you know, they were used to paying that two, 3%. And now we're what it, it could potentially jump to five, six, maybe seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, can they afford that now? Are their rents where they need to be? Are they managing the property, you know, um, properly? So th- those are, those are all big concerns. So once somebody slips, you know, there's going to be somebody there to, to pick up their fall. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. I hate to, to admit it, but I'm kind of waiting for that right now. I sold one of my properties and just sitting yeah. and things, things are getting attractive, but they're not where I want them to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, and here's the, here's the thing. Uh, it, you can, I think you can buy, um, buy at any time. There's really no bad time to buy real estate. There really isn't. It just, you just have to adjust your goals. So if you're buying high right now, that, that's fine. Uh, like for me, I'm, I'm looking actively for properties. I think Martin is, and I, it sounds like you are as well, Ron. Um, you know, just if you don't sell, you're not taking a loss. The real estate market, we all know, goes up and down. I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't plan on ever selling it and just building your your portfolio, buy any time. You know, just just know that you're probably buying at maybe a little bit higher time 
and uh, everything is going to adjust accordingly. In 10, 10 years or so, it's probably going to come right back up and then some. You yeah. know, we always kick ourselves like, oh, geez, I wish I wish I would have bought that one. That was $100,000, you know, and now it's what? 1.2 for that same property yeah. it's crazy yeah i mean we, we all kick ourselves for it so. yeah and or when you sell like i've looked up old properties that i've sold and i'm like dang it we could have just <laughs> we could have had an extra yeah x amount of dollars in the bank but you know but then you look yeah. at what you were able to do with that once you do liquefy a little bit and, and it, that's the thing it's always yeah. taking me to a whole nother level personally and so i always recommend buying and selling as yeah. needed so with that being said like I don't have a real estate license. Do you think that it's necessary to have a real estate license uh, uh, to buy properties these days? I mean, to purchase properties, no. Um, you know, link up with a good uh, real estate agent and or broker, um, some form of brokerage. And, um, you know, if you have an expert on your side, then then you're you're good. Um, you can focus on what it is, what your lifelong goals are, you know. Um, so that's I don't think it's necessary. No. Yeah, I mean, okay. the biggest perk for you, Nathan, being a real real estate agent broker is that you don't have to pay the fee, right? You know, the 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 fees of the cost of real estate. But I mean, the I know my mom's a realtor and she went through all that. And so you got to keep up on all your licenses, all your fees, all the different things that come with that, right? So well, if you're just the right. investor, then it makes sense to just be the investor versus the, uh, the real estate or the broker, you know? That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, when it comes down to it, you know, the different types of real estate, you know, you have single family, multifamily, industrial, what are, what are some that are the most attractive to, to you or maybe for new investors, maybe just hitting the scene? Yeah. I, again, I think it really depends on what, um, what your brand is. Um, if you're, see, I like the boutique stuff. I like the unique properties. Um, I like those things. And that could be across the board. That could be a unique piece of land and that could be a unique, duplex it could be a single family home a condo you know i think every property has their own uniqueness it could be a cookie cutter row and one might have a lake view and the other one you know staring at a wall so it, you know every i think every unit is unique and you can uh, adjust market rates based on what's more desirable uh, for each one um yeah a lot of people like the commercial route the industrial stuff because it's kind of more business oriented you you're able to do a triple net leases on those and um, charge everything back, taxes, insurance, and, um, you know, common area maintenance, things like that. So all the, it's called CAM, so you can charge all those things back. Um, I I kind of like the craziness of multifamily uh, with the with the tenants and just having lots of drama and knowing all the ins and outs <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, I mean, geez, I could write a book in a week sometimes when I just take over a new property, you know, especially like those 20 unit ones where there's you know, may or may not have on-site managers. It's like all the stuff that's going down, it's juicy stuff. <laughs> it's great. You know. I've always said we need a reality uh, TV program. <laughs> oh my gosh. We would probably break every fair housing law possible. <laughs> yeah, I know. If we said yeah. what we were thinking, oh my gosh. <laughs> we need some good editors, right? To stay like legit. Oh my God. I mean, every Most face stories. would have to be blurry. All the addresses, what could you imagine? That would be yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah uh, well a little bit for our audience i really want to brag a little bit about you not only obviously are you a property management uh own a property management company a uh, real estate broker you're a superior dad you're a dog dad amazing partner <laughs> let me see what yeah. else you have. you're a road warrior entrepreneur at heart but you also were obviously recognized from uh some of our industry uh, uh, uh organizations such as the apartment association of orange county you're an executive board member there and also from the SoCal Rental Housing Association. 
and it's been for years. So how did that come to be and how do you find the time? Um, you know, it, it kind of fell in my lap. I never really wanted to get that in depth into it. Um, <laughs> but, um, so Frankie with Buffalo maintenance, he actually, uh, he, he's done a few projects for me and he, he's always been bugging me, you know, you should join the apartment association. I'm like, well, you know, I love Frankie. It's, oh, he's the best. Yeah. Amazing. Um, but, um, you know, I, I really didn't have much interest. Um, but I think Ron, you and I were doing these quarterly parties, remember? And, um, that's kind of, that's kind of when we were starting and these quarterly parties, um, were getting larger and larger and we would pick these, you know, very glamorous locations along the coast and people would show up. And I remember I would have to, I mean, this is when I first started again, I'm just like surviving off like 150 bucks a month. I would get my credit card (laughs) and just hope that I would find sponsors within the crowd and, Ron was the man when he usually pick up the hill. Thank God. We had some good times, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, we'd get other guys in there, too. And, and so it always worked out, but it was always nerve-wracking. But um, what sold me on AAOC, anyway, the Apartment Association of Orange County, is they uh, they said, well, we really need to up our ice cream socials, you know, or, you know, our little meetings in our library or whatever it was. I mean, it was, I'm sure it was fine, but, I mean, kind of what we were doing it was very different right um so they said well they'll put their credit card down and then we can find sponsors for you and do all these things i was like oh <laughs> well that sounds great so uh, i was able to uh kind of create the products and service uh, uh committee uh which is for um basically all the on the vendor side uh, mm-hmm. I, any vendors that come in through the apartment association uh they're part of the psc um and um yeah, you've done a great job with that well, thank you. Yeah. So we've been, you know, now we're doing like cruises and we're doing, um, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff. You know, we just had an angels game and, you know, all sold out tickets and stuff like that. It's, you know, it's been really fun. So, um, but, but yeah, so that, that's really developed into that. And then, um, kind of worked my way up. I became a chairman of, uh, the PSC committee, uh, after Frankie kind of stepped aside. And so I stepped up and then they asked me to, if I had any interest on becoming on the board, so I said, sure, yeah, I could, I could probably do that. So you know, you had to get sworn in, and everybody voted me in. It was kind of nerve wracking. I mean, we That's got some awesome. big time, big time guys on there. It was super nerve wracking. So, uh, but anyways, I got on there, and uh, we, you know, we meet every month and kind of talk about what we want to do with the industry, um, specifically in Orange County. Uh, there's a legislative slot side of things, and you know, a bunch of different committees. So I kind of have my hands in a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more of a fly in the wall, just to kind of you know, know, be in the know of, of what's happening in Orange County. Anyway, just that's where I'm based. So it works out. Um, and then uh, we needed a representative for the California um, Housing um, Association, CalRHA. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, yeah, Steve Derringer, he's, you know, our main attorney for AOC anyway, and does great for evictions. Right. If you ever Amazing. need him, look him up. Um, but uh, he, he asked me to step in and do that. So I, I started going in with uh, sitting as a chairman for um, Calorie J as well. We're part of the National Apartment Association. So we need to have a, uh, a state representative association. So that's how I got into the association side. Uh, so oh, yeah. what do you think are some benefits for, for new people getting into the multifamily industry and being a part of their local apartment association? What are some benefits that they might be able to get out of it? Uh, so for, for me, it's the networking, uh, 100%. Um, you know, uh, it's kind of nice to have on my resume that I'm 
you know, on these committees and I'm active and, uh, you know, you have a lot of people coming together. The networking aspect is huge. Uh, if you're working it, a lot of people yeah. just like to throw money at it. You know, they get your one page ad, belly, you know, band ads, things like that. That works too, uh, just to kind of have that exposure. Sure. But, you know, really working it and showing up to these, you know, we have a lot of free events as well. Um, the forms, the legal support, um, the contacts that you have, mm-hmm. it, it's really, I think it's important for anybody to be a part of any association in your local region, whether it's this on the state side or the national apartment association, or, um, you know, it really depends on what, where you guys are doing business. Now you guys are with NAA and, um, you know, I know you guys get a booth there. How was San Diego? You guys have a good time? Oh yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. We had, um, uh, Ruben there as well, Ron's brother DJing. Uh, so we brought nice. everyone was coming from across all the way across the land, all the way across from the conference, all the way over there. They were trying to find the music. <laughs> we were the only place bumping music, and uh, yeah, it was I, I think I heard him from Tennessee. Actually, yeah. <laughs> always yeah. a good, always a good time with um, yeah when Ruben's there and it's loud. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I'll probably do an episode on AIM. Actually, uh, I'll probably talk. Ron will probably talk about having. Maybe having Ruben on talk about our experience uh, at uh, NAA. Yeah, we should. We totally should. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice, Nathan, for the apartment association. The other thing that I'm going to add to is, and tell me if I'm wrong, but is also on the legislation side. You brought that up earlier, but I know that you know. Obviously, for me, you know, we invest in a lot of uh, multifamily properties, also single family uh, family properties. And when it comes to le- legislation, I think that it's good to be part of a greater, bigger voice, and that's what the associations really do. I mean, you as an individual owner or one person as an individual owner has, you know, power, but collectively, I think we can make a lot of good and uh, progressive changes, you know, for our industry and residents alike, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know, okay, I guarantee you running a property management company cannot be easy. You mentioned some of the woes already about some of the things, and I'm sure you can't disclose all of the stuff, but what are some of the daily challenges you face and how do you overcome them? I think our audience could appreciate that. You know, it's, it's refreshing to get like a phone call once in a while when somebody's just saying hello, you know, cause that's very rare property management. Um, nobody wants to call the manager or ownership and they, they call you because there's a flood going on or there's a fire or there's a naked woman running around um, with a laundry <laughs> basket because they rented a room to a Craigslist ad. So it oh just, God. it's, it's crazy. There's all kinds of stuff that goes on. I mean, you're dealing with people's lives. You're not selling them a car and see you in four or five years, you know, you're, you're uh, you're talking to them every month. You're making sure rents on time. You're making sure that they have a nice, safe, clean home, right? And surrounding areas. And you know, you get the the barking dogs at the middle of the night. Yeah, I just there's always something. So, um, but I I thrive in crazy. I, I don't <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I think you have to when you're yeah in on this side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Multitasker. <laughs> Do you have one uh, property management? A horror story that you can mention anonymously and uh, <laughs> anonymously. how that, how that, I can, well, so I, I kind of run up the naked lady, um, mm. running around with the laundry <laughs> basket. So I'll, I'll get into a little bit more detail about that one. Um, I won't disclose the address or name, but, um, right. and it wasn't even, it wasn't even, yeah. So, uh, we, I, it was midday. This was a uh, midday. This was probably last year. And, um, uh, there was a tenant in there single guy. I mean, it was a two bedroom, two bath. Um, and he, uh, would, uh, basically find a roommate, you know, and, um, he was going through a lot of roommates. I just thought maybe it was just a issue with personality or whatever, whatever it was, but you know, they, they would fill out applications through me once he found them on Craigslist. 
And then um, they would stay there for about six months or so. And then you'd request and everybody would sign off on the lease and stuff like that. Just roommate removal forms. Well, then it just, it was quiet for a while. And, um, and then I would start getting these phone calls from some of the neighbors. Like there was women coming in and out of this uh, apartment. And I didn't really think anything of it. Maybe the guy's dating, you know, finally, good job guy. You know, that's what I'm thinking <laughs> in the back of my mind. And um, <laughs> it turns out that then I get another call. And it's, it's a heavier set woman um, walking naked with a laundry basket going down and doing uh, the laundry in the laundry room. This is a common area laundry room, not a private. <laughs> and just walking through the hall, down the stairs, you know, and to the laundry room doing uh, laundry. And <laughs> of course, my phone just blowing up, right? And um, <laughs> from, it, this is a 16 unit building. And um, everybody's calling me. They're like, there's this naked woman walking around. So I, I call the guy. I'm like, I'm like, hey, Mr. Tenant, um, just just so you know, there's um, there's somebody nude leaving your your uh, apartment and doing laundry. I just wanted to touch base, let you know that that's not okay. And um, you know, if you if you can maybe get a towel or something and you know wrap it up. I'm not on site, right? So I'm trying to call this stuff in. And um, so it turns out that she was um, she was responding to a Craigslist ad. He was looking for uh, a female uh, roommate um, in a, with for free rent in exchange of cooking, you know, and you know, doing laundry and all the cleaning and stuff like that. Basically, a hired wife. But I mean, it's just stuff like that. It's like, oh my gosh! Like, I mean, how, I don't even know how to respond to that. Just as a human being, so you just bought the lease and you go to it. You know, you're causing a nuisance. Um, you know that type of stuff. I mean, I guess I could probably kick somebody out for farting too loud for causing a nuisance but you, you know it's just that's that's one story of, of many yeah, <laughs> that could be yeah. a whole nother podcast yeah. <laughs> you forgot to put the the career apparel uh, requirement <laughs> that's right yeah yeah exactly sure. i know i need to update my lease must wear clothes in common yeah. area yeah. <laughs> the, the obvious that's awesome so not that we've shared enough horror stories but if there was somebody who wanted to break into the the world of property management, what would be your number one advice? Um, you need to have thick skin. Um, you're gonna have some you're gonna have some really good days, uh, and you're gonna have some really bad days. And you know, for I think I can say for any, even if they're the worst tenant possible, uh, evictions are not fun. Um, I think just being being fair and consistent and coming up with something that um you, you really have to enjoy dealing with people because it it's a people business. It sounds like it's a real estate business, but property management's not numbers. It's for the most part, that's probably a very small percentage of it is the numbers. It's, it's dealing with people and you really have to be a people person to, um, to, to survive it long enough. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think that's great advice. I used to say, uh, when I was on site that we manage people's lives, not always, not just apartments or buildings. Yep. That's absolutely right. So, yeah. All right, so we're going to be getting into the probably one of my favorite topics to discuss and what we'll be talking with Nathan about, and that is land investing and land hacking. So, Nathan, how did you get into land investing? And tell us about your first project in 29 Palms, California. All right. Well, um, Martin and I actually got into the land business because of you, my friend. <laughs> so, so COVID hit and, you know, government said you don't have to pay rent anymore. So. I got nervous. I'm a fee manager. If rents don't come in, I don't make any money. So I 
was trying to figure out where everybody was going. I happened to be into off-roading and, and um, you know, I've got a couple trucks that are pretty built out and can take on anything. And um, I was noticing when I was ordering supplies that they were taking much longer, you know, uh, to, uh, to get, you know, not only because all the shipping containers were behind, but because everybody was hooking up their truck and going off-roading and getting dispersed and going out right and camping and things like that so the whole outdoor world was opening up um even though you're supposed to be locked down well they were really locking down in big cities right so everybody wanted to get out rural and i think that's why um um everything kind of exploded to be honest because now you don't necessarily have to live in the same city that you're working anymore um you know you can you can drive two three hours out and sit in traffic especially in southern california but uh, you can get a much more space outside, but getting getting back into the land aspect of things, um, I I found that there's this it, campgrounds were closed. That was another thing, right? Like all the major campgrounds were closed. So I was kind of reaching out, just kind of posting, putting fillers out there. I enjoy camping. Uh, I enjoy. I could sleep on a rock. I happen to have an RV because I have kids, and you know, I, it's basically a portable bathroom. <laughs> so whenever there's like a little pee stop, and we can just pull over and they can use the bathroom. Um, but I enjoyed road tripping. Uh, I drove all the way out here to Tennessee, and um, you know, we went up to West Virginia, all these things, and it, that's something I've always enjoyed. So I, when I kind of put that out into the social media world, again, social media helps. <laughs> uh, Martin shared some interest and mentioned that he owns some uh, raw land as well. I said, well, that's great. You know, and he invited me to, to this place up there. And, um, and uh, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I mean, there's no cell service. There's, there's no toilets. There's, there's no electricity. I mean, there's no water and nothing. I mean, it's just completely empty. And it's like, that's heaven for me. I mean, for my phone not to work <laughs> for like, like an hour is awesome because my phone's always <laughs> off the hook about crazy nudists running around the neighborhood, right? <laughs> um, so it was kind of nice and refreshing. And I think people need that. You know, and I think I think COVID, if there was anything good out of it, it it really got people back to the basics. You know, like what do you really need in life? You know, I mean, there's a lot of people getting sick and it's scary, and um, but just getting outside and you know refreshing, and um, it really kind of slowed everything down. You know, you don't really need to be in that active, crazy city life. Um, you could there's still life out there. You know, in the wilderness and stuff. So. Um, so Martin and I kind of came up with an agreement and we, we started using this um, app called HitCamp. And HitCamp is very similar to Airbnb, but it's for campers. And you can put parameters in there when you're searching on HitCamp. Um, you know, you just, I, I have my own tent. I could drive there. Do I need four-wheel drive to get to the property? Can I, can I get a, a 40-foot RV there? You know, is it, is it glamping material for Ron? <laughs> is, it, you know, is there full hookups? Is there sewage and things like that, right? So uh, so we, we actually just kind of cleared out like a little 10 by 10 area. We found a, uh, a few rocks um, and made like a little fire pit. Uh, and there's campsite one. We put a stick in there, spray painted it and did, you know, we called it camping locality. <laughs> and uh, we did a little uh, deal on it. And, you know, we started getting um, campers in there. And that's, that's a way to mon monetize vacant land you know and i remember martin saying as long as i could just make enough to cover my taxes and you know taxes on land is not anything like houses it's a couple hundred bucks uh and, you know i think we made that and then some um yeah and i think, and, uh, and I think initially yeah. it was like a test run too to see if like okay can we rent out this raw piece of land and it's just, yeah. just pretty much raw i have a dry cabin shell 10 by 12 
uh, bare shell. It's just like a shed to cabin type uh, thing. And it was just raw, uh, yeah. like a hunter trapper cabin. And, you know, some people want that kind of rustic wilderness type experience. And, you know, some need the more established, you know, campgrounds. And, you know, that's a place where I'd like to be someday. But for now, it was really just land banking, just investing in the land. And I was able to get it owner finance too. So put 50% down. That was probably something that's good to mention when buying land, which we'll probably touch on that. Um, yeah. But that's how I was able to buy it was through owner financing and put down half and then make payments. And I actually just paid it off uh, literally in the last three months or so. It's recorded, all done. So I own it free. Nice. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank that's you. awesome. So for any new land investors, obviously out there, um, because there are definitely still some good land parcels out. Um, with no experience, what do you really need to uh, consider before buying a piece of raw land? I think it depends on what your quote use would be. Um, so if you want that camp site, if you want to build something on it, if you, you know, it really depends on what your desire is. Um, you know, there's, there's land everywhere. I mean, I've driven basically across the U.S. And I'm always looking at what I feel is, is cool. Do you want green? Do you want desert? Do you want waterfront, lake? Uh, creeks going through it um, and if you want all those things that's great but then you have to look at the zoning uh, you have to look at any legal roads uh, legal access to the property mm-hmm. um, I mean there's some people that just you know buy a piece of property and it might be completely off of a road like four or five parcels in which they call landlocked and um, you know they could you could get to it I could walk to that property I could drive through that property but legally I'm, I'm trespassing through those five to 10 lots in between. Usually those ones are going to be very cheap because um, you're landlocked, right? And you don't really have legal access to it. Now, what you're supposed to do in that in that situation, let's say you inherit that piece of property and you probably want to hold on to it because you remember going camping there as a kid with grandma, grandpa or whatever. Uh, you would contact all of those uh, owners in between and get a legal easement. Usually they might want some money in exchange for that, but now you have a legal easement to it. Um, but then let's say you want to build something on it. So now you have your legal access to the property. Uh, so it's nice to find something that's on a legal road already. If you don't want to go through those steps, if you're out there looking, um, where where's your nearest uh, electric? How are you going to get power there? Uh, so you want to see if you're near telephone poles in California, San Bernardino County. Anyway, it's about ten thousand dollars per pole, and per pole is usually about fifty to sixty yards uh, away. So how how much do you want to invest in that? Uh, or you can go off grid if zoning allows. Um, let's say um, you want to park a trailer there. Well, some zoning won't allow you to park a trailer there. Um, like if you're in a neighborhood, um, let's say you're in Newport Coast and you see a vacant lot, probably mm-hmm. not going to see yeah. a uh, RV pulled up and camping out with the campfires yeah. and your dogs running loose. It just probably won't happen. But out in San Bernardino County, possibly, you know, depending on the location of it. Um, so just look at the zoning. Uh, I, I'd probably, you know, look at your listings if you're not licensed or not too sure about it, um, and contact that listing agent that's that's on there. Usually, it's 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 nice to. That's why listing agents like to get the listings. You know, they they may not even show it. They'll probably just put a lockbox or tell you to drive out there. But to have that listing, they're usually going to be that local expert expert because they're calling all the local owners. They know that area. Call that listing agent. They might they they should know what. The zoning is and at least give you the tools to see um, uh, how to call the county or the city to, to see what you're allowed to do. And when you call the county and the city, it's you'll never get the same answer in my experience. Uh, everybody's going to tell you something differently. Um, and it's hard to 
exactly say, you know, I let's say I want to build a tiny house. Well, they don't like to call them tiny houses in certain areas. They'll call them an RV because tiny houses really are are an RV. But in their code books, uh, tiny house isn't in the codes. It's it's RV uh, is allowable. So mm-hmm. something that allows an RV may allow the tiny home or, you know, they might want um, a fixed structure and it might be 160 square feet minimum let's say, um, and then your bathroom needs to be a certain way. Well, now you can build a tiny house on a foundation that's 160 square feet, but they don't call them tiny homes. They just call it a 160 square foot structure with bathrooms or whatever. But now you have to worry about your septic. You have to worry about your water supply. California does not allow those large water tanks anymore. Uh, If you're grandfathered in, you can uh, do that, but they're not issuing any new permits for them anyway. Um, so those are all the little things that you need to, uh, look at. So if you are buying a piece of property, it has a septic on there. It has, um, uh, a water tank, just check to see if it's permitted and you can, you can call the County and uh, get the records of anything permitted. Um, cause that's going to be important. That's, that's, what's going to increase the values when you have the infrastructure there ready to build. Uh, and again, it, you might just want it to be raw land and you don't really care because you don't want it to ever touch it. You just want to visit it and see the beauty and that's fine too. Just, just mm-hmm. know that going into it. Nice. Okay. So how, how did you buy your first piece of land? Was it a cash deal or did you do owner finance? I mean, it, it can be kind of hard to finance land. I mean, doing it with a bank is not really possible these days from what I understand. I mean, it's, it, it's possible, uh, but it's usually going to be in the, that established neighborhood that already has the infrastructure there. Um, and the banks basically, you know, want that construction loan and then that refinance uh, on yes. top of it. Um, and you know you can you can buy something with twenty percent down on something like that. So let's find let's say use an example. You find a lot for a hundred thousand, right? I'm just throwing out a number. You put your twenty thousand dollars down, and then um, you're going to build fifteen hundred square foot home. It's going to cost you maybe four or five hundred thousand to build that you know perfect home that you're looking for. The the cost to build. Then you've got you know your hundred thousand dollar land, so you're six hundred thousand into it potentially. It's probably going to be worth eight hundred thousand. You've got your eighty percent equity, and then now you can roll over into that. Now you have your your home. So that's that's one benefit of having that land. You're going to build that equity literally um, when you're building it, um, and banks like that. But you know, for guys like you and me that just want to go camp and you know kick rocks and you know whatever it is that we do, play in the <laughs> uh, dirt. <laughs> yeah, play in the dirt. You know, um, yeah, owner financing is a great option, um, and there's there's tons of online um, places that do it. Landio, I think, is one of the big ones. Um, you know, I personally look on uh, Redfin uh, in California anyway. I, I like Redfin. Uh, I mean, obviously, the MLS is good, too. But if you're just kind of if you're not licensed or have access to that, uh, Redfin's a great one. Uh, Zillow is good. You know, Realtor.com is good. Um, but w- whatever your favorite one is. So then you see it and then uh, you call the agent. And you say, hey, you know, I, I really like this property. Usually land, not, well, not lately, but usually land sits there for about a year before it sells. Might be 15000 for an acre, let's let's say, or whatever. Um, and uh, this is out in the desert, let's say. Let's use, let's, I'm just using 29 Palms as an example. Uh, so I found mine. It was listed at 15000 um, You know, it was sitting on the market for a little bit. Uh, called the agent and said, Hey, you know, I've noticed it's been sitting on the market for a little bit. I'm I'm willing to pay that fifteen thousand versus coming down to ten thousand cash or something and throwing in a lowball offer. Um, but do you think your client would be interested in doing owner financing? You know, maybe I could put thirty five hundred down and then you know pay them ten percent interest on that uh, over the next three years. I think you'd be open to that. 
went back and forth a little bit and worked out a deal. And now I'm the new owner. I, uh, so in my situation, I put, put 3,500 down. I paid uh, about 350 a month, roughly uh, over three years. And, you know, he, the owner makes a little bit of money. Uh, it's a tax benefit for them. They don't get hit with all those taxes all up front. You know, it just kind of mm-hmm. spread out a little bit more uh, on the interest and yeah, it works out. It's a great way to get them and maybe they want more cash flow than like an upfront sum of money. Uh, another uh, podcast I follow is called The Land Geeks. I think probably like you can Google The Land Geeks or landgeeks.com, uh, but they're all about land investing and they actually buy up plots of land. They'll buy them cash. They'll like send out mailers to people, other landowners and try to like pretty much lowball get get the offer. You know, they just want to get rid of the land kind of thing. And then they sell it to somebody and they do a good owner finance deal. So they'll buy the raw land probably in lots and then just kind of lease them out. And then they get this nice steady cash flow. And good thing for them is if they don't pay the the person who's buying the land doesn't pay the monthly fee, then they they keep the deed no matter what. So they it's really they can't lose on those kind of yeah. And that's the flip side of, you know, kind of how we went in buying, you know, there's a big business on the land side. I mean, there's uh, you have the tax auctions that go on every county uh, on an annual basis. People that forgot to pay their taxes after two years. And sometimes you forget. Sometimes you inherit a property. You don't even know that you did, um, you know, because it wasn't in the will properly. Um, but now let's say we have this property uh, and uh, it goes up to the tax auction. You go there, you know, and a lot of people just... Uh, the county, all they want is that that two hundred dollars in tax that was passed. Tax to. Money, yeah. The starting bid is two hundred dollars. Um, sorry. Right. Uh, yeah. So starting um, starting bid is two hundred dollars. Let's say you pick it up for five hundred bucks. Well, now you got a five hundred dollar property paid in cash, and then you go off and sell it for twenty five hundred. You list it for. Let's say um, it's a good deal on the market, you know, and it's a good deal for you because you're making some profit there, and then you owner finance it. So what you say is. But five hundred dollars down—that's what you paid for it—and uh, you pay me, you know, two hundred bucks, a hundred bucks, fifty bucks for the next five years at some interest, and you do that over and over. And I mean, that's that's a decent way to make money, and you don't need to worry about tenants because you know yep. the new people are owning it. And I mean, what are they going to do? Mess up your rock? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> essentially. So, yeah, so what are some options for monetizing your raw land? Um, or- I know that I've been part of a investment group and there was an opportunity uh, prior to the pandemic, kind of glad I didn't pull the trigger then, but looking into it now again about buying it, buying a raw land and using it for either um, solar uh, production or even the option where solar and or medical marijuana um, production. Cultivation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cultivation that is. Yeah. yeah. And you're just the land, you just own the land and then they run everything else and pay your rent. So what are some options that you know for monetizing outside of the camping stuff you're talking about? You know, I, I have not been in that, um, that side of land. Uh, I've been doing it for about two years now and it's mainly just been the camping stuff. Okay. Um, but I know that the marijuana grow and cultivation has been mm-hmm. huge, uh, in the legal States anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I believe you still need to get, you know, your proper permitting and things like that. Right. I'm, I'm sure. Um, and, um, that's probably a little bit harder to come by now. Um, I know San Bernardino, there's a lot of illegal um, growers uh, that, are, that are growing underground. So when they fly the drones over, you can't really see anything. There's a stack. You know, for me, I just, I try to steer, steer away from that. I know it's legal, uh, but there's still, there's still an underground market that's going on. And, you know, I, I personally would be a little nervous 
leasing to somebody that's not legit. So make sure if you are leasing it that way, make sure you have the, the proper paperwork, everything's legal. Uh, and you could put that in your lease agreement, obviously. And, you know, if they're, um, you know, getting outside the law, but even if you get with somebody that's illegal grow and it, it could just be a, a normal person doing it, but we don't know if it's, you know, the Mexican mafia coming up and, you know, but, you know, has, has all this money and doing that. And it's like, you know, if, if you try to evict them, what are they going to do in return? So just, you know, just be very careful <laughs> out there. I, that's my biggest concern. You know, I've got sure. kids and stuff and <laughs> I'm just, I don't want to get into it just cause I, that's not my specialty, but uh, I, I don't, I don't knock it for anybody doing it. That's for yeah, sure. it's definitely a lot of, yeah, a lot of red tape, a lot of money and, and permits and fees. I mean, I, I watch a lot of documentaries on the cannabis industry and they're just like being just bombarded with all these different fees where by the time they even get in the business, they're, they're not really profitable. So you have to be a pretty big boy to, to kind of compete in the that. Legal, the guys that are doing it right are not making money. That's for sure. It's, <laughs> it's that gray area. It's that gray area that's that's killing it right now. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's ruining it for the big guys that are doing it right because it is so strict. I mean, sure, they legalized it, but good luck. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, overall, when it comes to land investing, I think whenever you are buying a piece of land, it's important to remember that you're going to be you're becoming part of a community. Right. So really get to know your local realtor, local broker, uh, get in touch. You know, when you go check out land, any kind of real estate, obviously you need to drive around the property, drive around the area, get a, get a, get a, an idea of how, how it is, you know, how people are living over there. Um, is there a lot of trash? Is it clean? Um, and you really, if you Google maps is what I use primarily to buy land, if I can't really go there. And obviously it's important to actually go there too, but Google maps and Google earth is a pretty big resource that I'm commonly using. Obviously your land zoning, whether it's zoned for agriculture, residential, it's really important to know what you can do with your land. And you can usually look up, you know, like for me, it's look up Kern County, the different land zoning, and then they'll tell you exactly what those lands lots can be used for. Um, I believe in the power of land banking. So even though I'm buying a piece of raw land, it doesn't cash flow right away. Um, you can still earn equity. You buy the land now, just like real estate, it usually appreciates over time. And plus you have tons of cash flow opportunities, whether it's Airbnb and HipCamp. Airbnb offers a HipCamp style uh, part of the listing. So you could actually you know, host campers on Airbnb too. Whether you want to start a ranch, you know, raising goats, sheep, uh, an orchard or a garden. Even my dad, he has a piece of land in Missouri. He's actually getting into beekeeping. And so monetizing his piece of land by doing that, um, rural storage facility, and then even water supply, um, you know, you either usually got to dig a well or buy a, buy a property that already has a well or shared access to a well, that's going to save you about 30 grand plus. And if you're more rural, it's going to cost you more anyways. And then if you are in an area where you get good rainwater, rainwater catchment systems with the metal roof or any kind of system like that, it's going to be pretty invaluable. Other than that, you're just having to haul the water. And even with gas and everything, that can get pretty, pretty expensive. Uh, so those are just some quick tips that I had. Um, so Nathan, do you have any more plans to acquire any more land? And if so, what parts of the country are you most excited to invest in? I, you know, I, I am, and I'm always looking, um, for, for deals anyway. Um, for me, it's, it's, um, having the access to, so I have family out here in, um, Kentucky and Tennessee. Um, so it's kind of usually my annual destination anyway. Uh, so for me taking the 40 from California, anything along there would be great. So instead of, you know, spending that, you know, it's called a hundred bucks or 150 bucks at a hip camp in somebody else's backyard. Um, maybe I can do that. And then I can share that same route with other people and have a destination to go to. And, um, that's, that's 
what I would like to do with the land side of things. And then, you know, on the way, maybe I might pick up some properties and I happen to know property management and kind of go from there as well. So um, I don't know. I, I, I'm always thinking and wheels are turning and it's part of being an entrepreneur, I guess. I just do what I love. <laughs> That's it. That's where it doesn't feel like work, right? It doesn't. It really doesn't. <clears throat> That's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of um, RVing and all the above, you mentioned earlier that um, are you allowed to park on your land or is 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 it very rare that you can? So um, in 29 Palms, so I'm not within the city limits. If I was within the city limits, I would need to have a primary uh, structure there structure. in order okay. to get up uh, to be allowable. Yeah. Uh, so I'm on the county side um, and I'm allowed to camp there legally. Um, I, I want to say two weekends out of the month. Okay. Um, so I can do that. Um, I, I may or may not have um, kept it there a little bit longer. <laughs> I may or may <laughs> not have purchased a large water tank. I may or may not have dug my own septic. Um, I may or may not have done a bunch of irrigation and put trees and put in a structure. Uh, nothing has been permitted, may or may not have been <laughs> permitted. Um, but um uh, but I'm so off grid that it, uh, you know, it, it would be, if it, it, it would be a hand slap basically, um, if uh-huh. if something were to come to it, or if uh, it's usually a neighbor that would complain. Uh, again, driving around meeting your neighbors is always important. You know, everybody kind of looks out for each other. Where my um, locality ranch is anyway, okay. uh, and I go there just for recreation. I, I initially wanted to do that Airbnb and hip camp thing there. Uh, after putting so much work, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into it myself, I, I really don't want anybody there. It's my little getaway out in the desert. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But uh, probably have to wrap it up on my end over here because the dog's starting to freak out over something. So <laughs> I'll just, we can say our final goodbyes. We actually had a very long podcast. So, yeah, it's going to be a good one. So thank you, Nathan, again, for joining. Well, yeah. thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Nathan, we'll you're a rock star. Sure. I'm so proud I love of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm proud of you guys too. You guys are killing it. You too, man. That's awesome. All right. Well, I hope you guys all have a great rest of your day and we'll talk soon. I'll keep you posted on when we put the podcast up. <laughs> Sounds, Sounds good. good. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Multifamily Podcast, brought to you by co-founders of Apartment SEO, a premier Google agency with your hosts, Ron Ruiz and Martin Kinchola. Join us again next time as we continue to bring you the latest and greatest in the multifamily industry. 